0: Hey, listeners, we've got lots of new things coming for 2022. But before we did that, I wanted to take a look back at our early episodes and re-release my top 10 picks for the month of December. To be clear, picking my favorite episodes is like picking my favorite child. So I based my decision on three criteria. One, interviews of women who overcame something outside of the regular struggle of running the business. Two, a unique industry that our guests disrupted – and three, guests that were just as much teachers as they were storytellers. I hope you enjoyed these episodes and please be sure to follow us on Instagram. We'll be rolling out our big news throughout December and I wanna make sure our podcast family is in the loop. Our final episode in this throwback series comes from the heartwarming chat I had with Agatha Achindu. Agatha is the founder and chief yummy officer of Yummy Spoonfuls, a fresh and organic baby and toddler food company. I wanted to include this interview for two reasons. One, Agatha's tenacity is so inspiring. And two, I wanted you to hear firsthand that doing what you care about just might be the beginning of something even bigger than you. When Agatha immigrated from Cameroon in the 1990s, she was shocked by the amount of processed foods in U.S. grocery stores. As the daughter of a farmer, she grew up eating organic food from her family's garden, when she became a mother, she became obsessed with providing that same healthy food that she grew up with. Others took note, and she quickly became known as the local baby food chef. After noticing that the organic food movement was failing to impact babies and children, and knowing that food was essential in preventing many of the illnesses children were experiencing, Agatha knew she could provide a solution, and Yummy Spoonfuls was ultimately born. Agatha's interview is heartfelt, and warning, tissues are definitely needed. You'll be touched by her authenticity as she shares the stories of how yummy Spoonful started, scaled, and continues to thrive. Enjoy this interview with Agatha. Thanks for stopping by Liberty For Her, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. We're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. And this week we have something very yummy in store for you. With us today is Agatha Achindu of Yummy Spoonfuls. And Agatha, thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to talk through you to your listeners.
0: Oh, we are so excited to hear what you have to say. And you, there's really a unique story behind Yummy Spoonfuls. So why don't you just share with us a little bit about the company and the background before we get started on all my questions?
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. Of course. Whenever somebody asks me about Yummy Spoonfuls, I come from a very unique angle to answer this question. I come from my why. Yes. Why I decided to risk everything to launch this company in 2006. So, I moved to the United States in I think 1990 and please no, but don't ask me how old I am. But <laughs> <laughs> that's when I moved here and I as a kid growing up looking at all the glossy magazines and all these beautiful things, the one there was nothing that was more important than coming to the United States. Hmm. When I got here... And Agatha, you came from Cameroon, right? Yes. Okay. I I came from Cameroon, but I actually came from Canada. So I left Cameroon, went to college in Canada, and then left and came to the United States. Okay. But Coming to America, it it sounds like it's a movie to me. Like I'm talking about the Coming to America movie. Uh. But that was... (laughs) I (laughs) love that that movie. (laughs) I know. That was just... That dream in my head, like big cars, big buildings, big houses, everything was nicer in America Mm -hmm. until I got here. Uh -uh. And then I realized food was in cans. I had never, the only thing in my mind that I can remember that I saw in cans as a kid growing up was sardines and tomato. Mm -hmm. That was it. When I came here, I went to the grocery store. Hours and hours and hours and hours, and they had things in can, like fresh corn in can, peas. And when I would open it,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> it smelled so offensive. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. bring myself to eat it. That was that journey for me in trying to change how we eat in America. Mm-hmm. But initially, it was more about me making food for. My friends were adults in college, changing, helping them change recipes. You are like fried chicken? I'm like, okay, let's make it. We can make it at home. You can even bake it if you don't want fried. But you don't need to buy the one that has sixty ingredients in it. And that was that journey. Then I got pregnant with Jay Z. Really was that Jay Z? Jay Z is actually our youngest. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Okay. He is, I love that you named him Jay Z. Yeah. Go ahead. Now his name—it's so funny. His name is actually Jared Zane. Uh, Much better. Much (laughs) better. I love it. And we we just call him Jay-Z. And you would (laughs) see his face every time when somebody's like, Jay-Z. Like the (laughs) artist, he's like, no. Like Jared Zane. Yes. I love that response. (laughs) Good for him. He knows
0: who he is already.
1: (laughs) That's right. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go
0: ahead. So with your first child, yeah.
1: At that point, I remember when I was pregnant, for the first time in this space in America, I started looking into the market to see what was there. Because at this point, I'm in corporate America, I'm busy. I know yeah. I wouldn't really have time to do, to be making food. So I'm like, let me just find a good company that actually is making food like I do at home. And there was nothing in the market, which was, you know, it was like, well, okay. I just knew I was going to make his food. Yeah. And when I gave birth, I, I, would make, I made everything. And I started teaching moms around the area on how to make food. I'm just like, you know what? You can make this. And this is what you need to do and how. And that little group grew to about 300 moms. Oh Not my goodness, were they coming mind. to your kitchen or what happened? How did you go? That is a <laughs> whole different story if I tell you because on the weekends, on the weekend, I would have, so sometimes we would have workshops in uh-huh. a clubhouse or in somebody's house. But on the weekends, my husband would play soccer Saturdays and Sundays. It depends on the weather. That's his thing that he used to do. He would go out to soccer and sports. But on Saturdays, people would come and I would make a batch and everybody would take our subdivision where we live. It's just six houses where we used to live back then. Right. And I remember one weekend, it rained so hard, judges didn't go out. So he, cars just kept coming in and, and he was looking at me like, what the hell was going on? <laughs> and he is in our neighborhood. Then we were the only again. It's just six homes, so we're the only black people there. And he told me that they would think that we were selling crack or something crazy. <laughs> <because> <laughs> <laughs> what a great story! So for years, for a couple of years, this is what I did. I remember okay. going to a local hospital. That oh, I want to, I want to teach a workshop. And they're like, oh, what's your business and this? I said, I don't have a business. I'm just a mom on a mission. I'm a frustrated mom who wants to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And I remember at Fulton Regional Hospital, the first workshop that we had there, the very first, I think it was 60 moms, we showed up wanting to learn how to make baby food. The one thing that I realized that even when I teach them how to make something, the next time we have a workshop, the same people will come over. Oh, interesting. And, they weren't taking yeah. notes. <laughs> yeah. No, I realized it was the convenience. Sure. Because they'll be like, well, when I go home, I make the same food. I, I, I'm telling you, you, my baby love when you cook more than when I cook. And it just, it finally hit me. It's the convenience that they can have this quality of food for their child without having to do it themselves so then the question in my mind is like okay why is nobody making food just like this with nothing else added to it just like moms a lot of moms 40 percent of moms make homemade baby food Mm -hmm. i said why is nobody this is a huge market why is nobody doing it to make food fresh using wholesome ingredients that's free of harmful toxins and immediately freeze it because there is no mom at home who pasteurizes their food for their baby and put it on the shelf. We all cook and we freeze it. Right? Why was nobody doing it? So in 2006, I, in September 2006, I launched Yomi Spoonfuls. And
0: and let me just, let me that, just ask you a question real quick. Sorry to interrupt. Sure. Why was nobody doing it? Did you ever get to the bottom of it? Was it just people didn't think the market... Existed. They didn't have the information you had in seeing droves of women come to the hospital to learn from you. What What do you think was keeping a you know big company from from taking this on at the time?
1: So, to be quite honest, that's I what we would want from you, Agatha. I, honesty. <laughs> I really, it's not something I didn't figure that part out until later in the game. I just knew that somebody needed to do something. And that's somebody, it's me today. I am the change that I want to see. So I'm like, I'm going to step into it. Because just coming from another food culture and seeing the things that was happening here, it was easy for me to see because I didn't grow up in here. So knowing that even the recurring running noses ear infections, there was all these things that were happening that I, as somebody with a nutrition background, but most importantly, someone who came from a third world country, Mm. that we don't even have half, what am I talking about half? The the medical expertise that we have in America is nothing in in Cameroon that we can compare it with. But the one thing that I knew was that I had never seen sick babies in my life, like I see in America, coming from a world where there was no medical expertise.
0: So your roots, your African roots, your yes. what you saw growing up, the access to um, not just the homemade food, but just the, I would say, the amount of vegetation that was included in this kind of food. Because, it, you know, We, somebody could make homemade potato chips, but that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about great food, food that was good for our bodies, food that was healing our bodies in advance of our bodies ever getting sick and that women weren't having access to this kind of food in the United States. So it was really, I mean, what I love about your story is, and you nailed it when you said, because I came from a different culture, I saw the disparity. You saw the difference when you were walking through the aisles of our markets. Whereas if you're raised here, it's all you know, right? And so it took That's you true. in particular to be able to do this. I also love that often we hear people talk about what's your passion, when they say, what do I want to do when I want to start a business? And what you did is you just pursued, you pursued something that you loved and that was important to you. And you didn't, there was no end game in mind. And as a result, you were able to see what the market wanted and you were able to then jump on the opportunity, but you didn't launch a business. You launched a a movement, a way of changing the way women fed their children. And from it came the business. And I think that's a really important lesson for a lot of our listeners who can sometimes be frustrated with, I want to start a business, but I don't know what I want to start. And you took your Heritage, your roots, what you knew about food—you took your um, information as a frustrated mother and married all these things together to find a market that wasn't satiated and, and needed to be satisfied in a new way. So I, I love that. I think that's so unique to most of the stories that we hear.
1: Thank you so much. And you know what's so funny? Yeah, you actually just nailed it because I tell people all the time that. I didn't find my business. My business mm. found me. Yeah. All I wanted to do was make a difference. Because I I just knew that there is no child who doesn't want to feel great. There is no parent who doesn't want to give their baby their best, whatever their best is. But we are only as good as what we know. Sure. So you 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 have kids who there would be a parent who goes like, oh, my goodness, my child would never eat veggies. My child would never because they don't like the taste. And I'm like, you know, let me just help you. Let's let's make something fresh and see if they'll eat it. And we would whip up fresh peas and this baby would eat. And this lady's all over. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I cannot believe you. Your hands are magical. I'm like, no, ma'am. It's kids just like adults also have taste. Yeah. If yeah. you give them something that's vibrating with life that tastes delicious, they are going to love it.
0: Yeah. I actually you know. I actually do think the magic was in your hands though because it's the <laughs> I'm being serious and I'll tell you why. There's something about when you come from another whatever, another culture, another another paradigm even, even within the same culture. There's something about influencing people with, it's not just the knowledge. Like you said, you were giving people the recipes and yet they came back to you. There was something about you. There was something about your story that was infusing them with almost like an energy to feed their kids in a different way. You were teaching them uh, something that they didn't know. And in that, it it doesn't, it's not actually magic, but it is magical that they are able to experience that through you. And even in listening to you talk and hearing how passionate you are, who wouldn't want to learn from you? You had nothing to gain. You weren't selling anything when you first started. You were just passionate about this. And that is magical.
1: And I think, thank you so much, but I think that was the difference. Mm -hmm. And I think till this day, it is the reason that parents believe in me sure. and trust in me because I never, when I walked into this space, all I wanted to do was help them understand and connect the food they are feeding their kids and the way their children feel. Sure. It was never about money. It was just like, well, this is my child. This is my own kids. We don't have these issues and this is what's working for me. I'm ready to share it with you. If you want to listen, it might work for you and slowly it's working for you. And that little, I remember when I opened my Instagram page, Uh I remember when Uh it was 300 moms. Uh Then I remember when it was 15,000 moms. I remember when it was 30,000 moms, when it was 40,000 moms. And this was, it's not me going out doing advertisement or anything, just me talking to moms and saying, you know what, we can do this. We can, we can, it doesn't matter where you are. We can start today. We can change how you believe you want to feed your kids. Whatever it is that you think it's healthy, I can help you crowd the bad stuff out and start bringing the good stuff in.
0: Yeah, yeah. What I love about everything you just said is it comes from the most um, genuine place. But in in fact, if every business took your advice in that one, just what you just said right now, and it was never about the money, it was always about being able to serve these parents so they could serve their children great food. If every business started with, it's all about the customer, satisfying the customer, creating something the customer actually needs, the money will come. And even in talking about your social media following, it wasn't about aggregating a huge community. So you could say, Hey, look at my huge community. It was people being attracted to you because you actually were offering them something that they needed. And So your story reads like a 101, you know, business basics um, in in how to to launch a concept or an idea. Let me ask you, I think, a question. You talked about tinkering in your own kitchen with this, I imagine, a cul-de-sac of six homes and people were coming over and it just kept growing and growing. Do you think a large part of your early success was just the word of mouth kind of campaign even before you launched the brand?
1: I think a large part of my success, even after I launched the brand. So 2006, 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, it's still word of mouth. So you it, didn't really do any
0: formal advertising during those years?
1: No, I never wow. did. And, but let me tell you something that till this day, blows my I'm mind. Right. Yeah, tell me. Bring it. I remember... I remember when we got into Whole Foods Market mm-hmm. in the Southeastern region. It wasn't nationwide. In the Southeastern region, I think it was 2009. And the first delivery that we did for this store, I think it was the Whole Foods on, um, oh, I can't remember the name, this particular Whole Foods in Atlanta, in Brightleaf. Mm-hmm. We had delivered 38 cases. I know it doesn't sound like a big deal. But for a small business, when you're making things by hand and you deliver to seven stores and you deliver 36 cases of food in seven stores, then you get a call in two days that they are out of products. I love it. I love that story. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I started crying and my husband, judges is looking at me and he's going like, what's going on? (laughs) And I'm just like. It took four days to make the food. Yeah. You know, but that's how successful we were because people were just waiting. Friends are telling like, oh my, it's here, it's there. It's always been word of mouth.
0: Do you also think because it was in Whole Foods, let's take that example. So even the people that didn't know about it, um, who ran you know were running down the the children's food aisle uh, were attracted to it because it was so unique to what was being offered at the
1: time so remember that my product is frozen mm-hmm. so it's not on the baby app
0: mm-hmm.
1: somebody has to go out of their way to go find it
0: well that's a great way to collect data, you know, that they, they found you, that they had to go find yes. you. Uh, That's right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You did say the frozen part earlier. I missed that. You're right. Okay. So it really was word of mouth. People were coming into Whole Foods to buy this product.
1: Yes. And yes. how
0: do you get into a Whole Foods when you're dealing with just a food brand in general and all the legal issues around food? Like how did that happen?
1: The story that I'm going to tell you is not fancy, (laughs) but this is my story. So when I decided that I wanted to go present, I wanted to go do my presentation over Whole Foods. I fasted for nine days and did a novena every day. I had contacted this lady out of Chicago. I said, you need to do a marketing presentation for me. And so she did this beautiful work with my why, and why um, I believe um, Whole Foods should work with me and this. And then she did some um, marketing analysis, that she put the data and this with all the moms who are making food at home, why this way of making food is going to just be perfect for Whole Foods Market. The day I walked into Whole Foods for the Southeastern region, I went to Brentsville, I think that's where it was, and met with the, the lady, the, the um, sales manager. Mm-hmm. I brought samples, and she is, I took, I, it was carrot, sweet potato, and broccoli. I think this was a stage two meal. And she started testing it. I hadn't even taken my laptop out. So she tested it, and she screamed. She's like, oh, my Lord. Then there was somebody walking down in the hallway and that person popped their head in and went, oh, what is it? She's like, oh, come and try this. She took another sample spoon and he tested the thing. He's like, wow, is this Italian ice? Because it was cold, right? Ah. And she's like, no, it's baby food. He's like, oh, my God, we need (laughs) to bring this in. I didn't realize that that was their VP of sales for Whole Foods for the Southeastern region. That's how we got into Whole Foods. I honestly oh. didn't even do the presentation. I didn't pull my computer to even show the PowerPoint. You didn't it have to. It was testing that product. Yeah. That was it. That was it. That's how we got into Whole Foods. Yes. That was it.
0: Okay. I have a random question to ask you. Did you say you fasted for nine days? Yes, I did. Oh my! Okay. I did a novena. And and did you have pizza when you got home? <laughs> for nine days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I so, love
0: that. I love that.
1: I am a staunch Catholic. And I personally, I believe if somebody is ever wondering, like, is there a God? I, I am that mm. thing that you can look at and like, she is just God's grace because my whole life has been one miracle after the other. So, and that was that day. So when I fast, it's not, it's, I, I, I do eat, but I eat maybe once a day, depending sure. on what it is that I'm asking God for. And this was a <laughs> nine day fast and I did a novena for it for nine days. And I walked in and they picked that product just from the product. I honestly didn't say anything. They tested the product and she happened to be a mother. She's like, I have never smelled or tested anything this fresh? And I said, yes, this is what we do because I cook from scratch and we freeze it the same way that every mom or dad in this United States or grandparent, any parent who cooks, anybody who cooks at home for food for their babies, this is what they do. They cook it, they freeze it and they defrost it and they feed the baby. There is no citric acid. There is no ascorbic acid. There is no artificial color. It's just real food.
0: I I, lo- I love the simplicity of the story. Do you know um, Laura Bars? There, it's a yes, I do. Okay, yes, you I ha- do. Listen I to do. her story because you your stories are so similar with the Whole Foods. Are Star. you serious? Yeah, very limited ingredients. She same thing. Like, why is no one doing this? This is such a simple thing. You have to listen to her story. It's amazing. Um, you guys have to meet. I will. We have to figure out how to get you guys to meet. Anyway, so what did you do before you launched this that you kind of understood something Something about business or what was your career? You said you went from a corporate career to doing this. Give us that background.
1: So I worked in IT. I was the director of quality assurance for a software company called Agilisys. There was no business background. The the only connection to me is quality because I was that person. Well, when my developers and QA personnel, they've done the code, I make sure that that code is perfect before we we release it. That's the quality side, and which today is the same thing. Quality is quality. I don't care if it's in manufacturing. It doesn't matter. But there was no connection. The only thing I knew is that as a kid growing up, from day one, from when I started walking around, I know fresh, wholesome food from the ground up. And when I moved to this country, I stayed true to that roof. Yeah, Not then, everybody does. Yeah, I have sisters. I, I mean, we're here from my parents, my direct siblings. Some of them are still into farm to table. Some of them are not. Sure. I just stayed on that path. And um, so the more I got interested in, in nutrition, the more I dug deep into it, I realized that a lot of the issues that we're having is lifestyle. If sure. we can change, if we can change it, if we can just change some of these things, we can drastically change the way our kids feel, the way they look, just correct some. You know, that that was and still is what wakes me up every day. Like if I can just convince this one mom without making them feel guilty, like you know what, it's okay, but let's just let's just tweak it right here. And you see how that works. Slowly, it dawns on them like, oh my goodness.
0: It's almost like my they can't ju- believe that it can come from food. That those things can yes. cure whatever ails their child. That those things are the source of, of something that can prevent um, a runny nose or whatever. It's like it's unbelievable that it's that basic. We, I think we've become a culture of prescriptions. And so we think that, no, we must see a doctor and that doctor must have the, the answer for whatever it is that, that ails us. And again, I think that you brought, um, you brought it back to basics. And I, I sort of am marveling at the timing for you because now, if you would have started this business now, it sounds like it's a familiar story. A lot of people are really looking to food and understanding from a food culture and a kind of more holistic way of living and thinking. But you started before this trend. You were here long before this became sort of um, a thing. Yeah, a thing, and just kind of—it's part of the zeitgeist now. It's like how we—it's—it's—it's—it's it, a—it's a known. Um, entity or quantity, whereas I think you were there before. And so I wonder, how did that affect you in terms of your sales? Did you start to see sales increase, not just from being around and, you know, more word of mouth and having stores like Whole Foods carry you, but did you start to see it because the trend was escalating and moving in that direction? Did you see jumps in sales because of that?
1: No, I, I don't think so. Not then, now, I think. Uh, but I want to say yeah. it might be like, like 2011, 12, 13. Yeah. The jump wasn't that much because as crazy as this would sound, it's almost like there is a separation even for the parents who who have the best of intentions. It's, it's almost like there is a separation when we think about, children's health and food they don't connect mm. there was so much with all this trend how everything is going towards wholesome food it was more towards adults because we were trying to immediately address an immediate problem like oh if you eat more healthy you're going to feel better you're going to do it's more adults yeah but for children parents weren't quickly connecting it.
0: Sure. And I think a lot it, of the trends was for adults was around weight and we don't have yes. those concerns with children. So it's shifted to be more again about living kind of a holistic um you know whether it's farm to table because we're caring for the farmers or we're caring for the process or we're making sure that there's um fairness along that cycle or if it's you know what it is we're putting in our body, and what it, is, and the way we want to now take care of ourselves and our families, it shifted very much from being just about weight and 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 getting rid of um, some of the foods uh, that are prepackaged and and tend to put on those extra pounds. That seems to have shifted, at least on the in the on the coastal in the coastal cities. But I think even in middle America, we're seeing that shift quite a bit.
1: That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's shifting. And.
0: Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no, I, no. Cause
0: I no, wanted no, no, to jump okay. on to all these years of, of running this business alone. At some point you decide in 2014, Hey, I think I'll bring on a partner. And that's not usual. Often people, as the business goes on, they'll bring out, They'll bring in more support or they'll bring in VCs who may take a piece of the company. But you actually brought on a 50-50 partner. Tell us a little bit about why you did that and why you chose who you chose. I'll, I'll let you kind of announce who you chose. But what was that about?
1: Uh-huh. So initially, I, I wanted to bring funding. Mm-hmm. Then I wanted, I wanted to bring in passionate money. It's, it's a long story to even try to understand this. There was the whole thing about smart money. I didn't want smart money. I wanted passionate money. I wanted somebody who believes in the mission of this company, that every child, regardless of access to money or whether they are from a rich family or poor family, every child deserves to eat this type of food. That was my number one priority. So I wanted to bring in the type of money that will support that in the long run. Because from experience, I've seen wonderful companies that when they bring in money, their core principle, their core mission changes sure. because they are trying to meet the needs of the investors and all that. So I was very particular about that. And for years, we started looking. I had a, a handful of really prominent, whether I was celebrity, whether I was business owners, who came and wanted to invest in this company. And we would sit and we'll talk. And I look at my husband, I'm like, this is not it.
0: That's not the one. Interesting. No. You just knew, for, you could tell in your yes. gut that this wasn't right.
1: Yes, it really wasn't. And it was important to me because again, I just knew I didn't want this to be down the road. It's like, well, you know, we're going to make Millions and millions, if we just pasteurized it and sterilized, you know, this wasn't what Yummy Spoonfuls was all about. Sure. So in 2000, 2000, I think 2012, I can't remember, 2012, I had gone to a women's event and I was sampling food. This lady came in, Sarah Chapin, she tasted the product. She's like, oh my Lord, this is the best thing I've ever tasted that, well, I don't have any kids, but I have some grandkids. I would let them try it and see. And so she was asking me, what's the holdup? You know, why are you not in like the Costco? And I said, you know, I can only manage at this point, the Whole Foods and Amazon and Dinant and I We just couldn't, the little wow, rented facility that we were using, we just couldn't grow. We couldn't make as much food as we were growing. So we had to just figure out how to slow down. And how many employees and, did you have at that point? At that time, it was a total of six of us. Oh my word! Yes, and you were and in we Dean and
0: Deluca Whole Foods
1: and yes. what Amazon and I'm Amazon. Yes, and we were we were walking our head off. That's the nice way to put it. Yeah, because every so often <laughs> a celebrity would talk about the product, and you know. But anyway,
0: yeah. A big spike. Okay. So tell us about, ah, so how did you get to this partner?
1: So this lady, Sarah, went somewhere and somehow I got an email from Camilla and she's like, oh, I got your information from Sarah with Hail Mary and um, I would love to partner with you. And quite honestly, I didn't know who she was. So then I called Sarah asking her. I'm like, well, who I got an email person? from from, yeah. from I got an email because, you know, you get these emails all the time. So sure. all the way from African countries, like, oh, we want to partner. And, you know, so I yeah. looked. But because this person had mentioned, Sarah had mentioned Hail Mary, a company I knew. So I just knew this wasn't somebody random. And I'm like, well, um, somebody, Camila Alves just sent um, an email to me. This was, it might be 12 days, a few days later. And she's like, oh, are you sitting down? I'm like, yeah, what's up? She's like, oh, that's Matthew McConaughey's wife. Yeah, I'm like, oh, (laughs) okay. Let me go respond to her. So I went back (laughs) and I responded, you know. But when we met, when we sat down, when I went, I flew to California and we sat down and we're talking. And she's talking about how she grew up. You know, I honestly... She was sounding. She was literally telling my story. Wow. Just happening for me, different, how she grew up. And I looked at her like this as the weirdest thing. I'm just like, you sound, your, 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 your story growing up is my story. Running around barefooted, eating mangoes from the tree, harvesting this from the backyard, not being exposed to processed food. This is how we grow up. So it just, we just looked at each other and we shook hands. That was it. Wow. That was how she became my business partner.
0: That's a great story. And I love that you were slow to search the right partner, to find the right partner. Um, I heard something recently and it said, um, what's one ship that never leaves, uh, never leaves the, never sets sail? a partnership. <laughs> and it's ah! I think and I think it's because <laughs> people don't take the time to really find not just somebody they love and want to work with. That that happens usually a lot. It starts with friendships or family or whatever. But to find people that can really be of one mind, share core values, but bring different things to the table. And those tend to be the partnerships that last the test of time and that can offer the business what the business actually needs. So I love that you were slow to find the right person and that you were really clear and intentional that, that it wasn't smart money that you were looking for. It was passionate money. And I think that's probably what made the difference for you. I have to ask you, if you could go back and do everything over again, start from the beginning. What's one thing you would do exactly the same and one thing you might do differently?
1: Oh, I don't know. What? Let me think.
0: It's probably a good answer, I right? Might, if you don't know.
1: Yeah, what I might do what I might do differently. I don't know if there was anything that I would do differently. The one thing though that yeah. today, it's not that I would do differently. Yeah. That I would do is to look for money when I had money. And I think the reason why a lot of small business owners end up with the wrong type of money when they, when they bring in funding or mm-hmm. when they bring in a partner is because we get to a point where we get really desperate. We are strapped for cash. When you get to that point, you start, you just figure, you know what, my values, well, <laughs> what are values? I just <laughs> yeah. need a little bit of money so I don't lose this whole thing. Sure. I think for me, actually, if I honestly want to say the one thing that I would do differently. When I left corporate America, I had almost, I want to say it might be almost $500,000 in a 401k. I had some cash here and there. I had um, credit cards with high limit from American Express and Discover, like all the things. That was the time for me to take a loan even if i didn't need the money because i was credit worthy
0: that i i have to just tell you you're like this is a miracle what you're saying i have never ever heard anybody say even something close to that not only in these podcasts but in my 17 years of working with entrepreneurs and going to conferences and hosting conferences and doing workshops nobody has ever said Go seek out money, go find money when you have money, because then you won't be the desperate guy looking for a date and taking whatever you have to take, whatever comes in front of you, because you're at the end of your rope. Go out and get money when you've got money. I love that. We're going to milk that for all it's worth, Agatha. You just gave us a gem.
1: Yeah, I really. This is one thing. If there is a gift that I can give any and every entrepreneur,
0: yeah, you just did. That would be
1: it. You I had I had this conversation with. I, I did an article. I think this for, was was for Washington Post. And even oh, now, you're when just showing off. <laughs> no, I swear. No. I'm teasing you. I want to tell you how important no, this is share. because <laughs> this is something I leave. So I used. All our money used of that 401k. Mm. Our kids um 529 got into it. Our savings and this. By the time I've I realized that, oh, you know what? We've burned all our money, our home. We've taken equity off the home so we can put it in the business. By this time, when I went to the bank, I had nothing to show. Yeah. You couldn't get money. Yeah. Right. So that would be the one thing. The time to get money is when you have money and then just keep it and then just wait for it. Yes.
0: So we're trying something new around here. We're going to start acting like a real media company and partner with brands. We love brands. We actually want to share with you. We're doing this for a couple reasons. One, in order to keep bringing these stories to you, we need to pay the team that pulls it all together each week. And two, these collaborations actually provide another way for us to shout out and share female-founded ventures, as well as resources we think you'll love. Our first partner is someone that's near and dear to us. She's even been interviewed on the podcast. You can check out episode 98 for her startup story and her advice on scaling your business. This is none other than Marin Costello. Now, Marin's jewelry is a brand that I've both worn and shared with friends. Her designs are always on trend, and for some reason, they never go out of style. How can you do both? I don't know, but she does it. Everything's made in the US, it's hypoallergenic and water resistant, so you can wear it all the time. And they're committed to sustainable practices like recently they've started using environmentally conscious stainless steel and sourcing products from manufacturers that share these values and if you're a fan of layering well you're welcome head over to shopmarincostello.com that's s-h-o-p-m-a-r-r-i-n-c-o-s-t-e-l-l-o.com and layer stack and load up on the gold and silver to your heart's desire and there's no need to feel bad about this little indulgence because when you use the code neta 15 that's N-A-D-A-1-5, you'll get 15% off your purchase now through December 31st. So head over and get to shopping and remember to use Neta N-A-D-A-1-5 to get 15% off all your shopping from now through the end of the year. So you are hot on the advice trail, so we're going to keep it going. We're going to kind of transition a little bit into this part of the interview where we really talk about um, what you've learned, the advice you can give to people who are listening, who regardless of if they're in the food industry or not, can really learn from, from your expertise as a businesswoman, not as necessarily somebody who's in the food industry, but just more generally as an entrepreneur. So I want to talk to you about the baby toddler industry in particular. This has been booming. It has no signs of slowing down. It's shown no signs of slowing down. Everybody is in the baby business. Why would somebody enter this market when it's so incredibly crowded? Um, And what is your advice for them as they try and make a space for themselves in the market? Like what should they again, maybe one thing you'd say, hey, look out for this. And one thing you might want to say, be aware of this. So one is an opportunity and one is a a warning.
1: I would say it doesn't even matter whether it's the toddler space. Every space is crowded. The difference with the baby and toddler is that it's a market that's constantly revolving and evolving Mm -hmm. because babies are being born every day the new babies become toddlers. Some other person is having a baby. So nobody at any given time can really say, I own this share. Yeah. Because new people are coming into the market. It's true. So every, anybody, you can, you can step in this space. The one thing that I would say, though, if you choose to start a business, it doesn't matter what business it is. Look for something That serves a need, starting with you. Like for me, I did the fresh organic food for babies and tarts because I wanted to see fresh organic baby foods, baby food for, you know, I wanted to see this in the market. Yeah. And I felt so strongly about it. So look for something that you would do for free. That's one. My little warning would be whatever you choose to do, be authentic Mm -hmm. people don't like um, feeling like you're trying to um it's just about you're trying to play a game you're not true to what you say you're doing as simple as that sounds if you say i make clothing because i believe that clothing should be da 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 right that should be your mantra it doesn't matter what side of the street you're standing
0: yeah and nah. and
1: go out there and do it.
0: And we can tell as consumers. We can tell when somebody's true to who they are and they're... It's not just clever messaging. It's when they... You you believe that they are who they say they are because it shows up every time they create a new product, every time they create a new Instagram post, every time they you read copy on their site. Like you can just because there is this sort of fake authenticity, like everyone's trying to be, you know, transparent and authentic. And it's almost like... it it becomes a mission to be those things. And you can, people can read between the lines or people can see through those things. And so I think it's really understanding what makes you unique. I think that's one of the most important parts of your story. You understood because of where you came from and what you had to offer, you understood that that was an uh, sort of an important part of the brand and an important story to tell. Um, so I hear you loud and clear, and I think it's a lesson again, that we can all learn how how do we go back to those roots and really just be authentic to that. And then it helps to not complicate the different things that we offer. Oftentimes I see people not staying focused on what they initially wanted to offer the world. They start to, Oh, we can do this and we can do that. And I am guilty of that myself. And I think what you're (laughs) saying is, no, it truly, it's a, it's a great lesson in, in, that authenticity also, I think, keeps us really focused. Um, so there are so many um, people that... I, I said we're not going to talk about food, but I just need to talk about food. So many people who are successful in the food game and they have said... And I said even the Laura Barr story reminds me of yours because she started out with somebody sampling at a Whole Foods and they were like, oh my gosh, this is delicious. What what was the value do you think of having an audience taste your food and validate back to you this is delicious. And here's here's why I think this is great advice for the listener. I think we don't whether you have a product, a food product or whether you have a service or, you know, something that people can test in some way. I think there's a real value of being so sure of what you have to offer. That you're willing to have people test it out and try it out, you can get feedback from it that can help you adjust and make the you know the difference that you need to make so that it's an excellent product. You give people freedom to to buy things or to try things with very little um, skin in the game. So I want you to sort of share what what do you think was about that that taste and see what I have created moment for you.
1: You just blew my mind. I'm going to say something before I answer okay. this question. So this was my marketing. Remember, as a startup, I had no budget for marketing. Sure. But the one thing that I would tell people all the time, whether I was Whole Foods or in a farmer's market, I'm like, I want you to try this product before you buy it. Mm-hmm. That's how confident I was. I don't want you to take it home. Before you try it, this is the sample. And every time I get somebody to try it, they buy a couple of cases. It was that good. To answer your question, whether it's food or a service, I just spoke at, and I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm trying to blow my hand. I, I'm serious that I had this conversation not too long ago at Hope, mm-hmm. Hope Global Forum when we were talking to small business owners. Uh-huh. So when you, we are all passionate about what we do. Especially if it's like food, if you are doing something, if you make the food, take it to the farmer's market and have people buy it. Don't do it around friends because your friends will always want to be nice. It might be they taste something, they don't think it's really good. And they're like, oh, take it to the farmer's market. Even you say, you know what? I'll sell this just for a dollar. So people, because when people pay for things, they would give you their most honest feedback. Because in their mind, it's like, well, I paid for this. I'll tell you what I think.
0: Yeah. I've earned the right to be heard.
1: So it's always so important to to sample whatever it is that you're doing. Because then people, people who are not so tied to it can talk to you in a way about this thing from an angle that you never even looked at. You're like, oh, because we all think what we do is so fabulous because we feel so strongly. (laughs) It's true. About it.
0: Yeah, it's true. I almost feel like you have to put on your hat that is, I'm not the founder, owner, whatever your role is. You have to put on the hat that's like, I've just been hired here to take your t- take notes from you. So just tell me the information you have and I'll take it back to the owner. It's like you have to put on a completely different hat so that you can really receive that information in a way that is like Do you this? want to know
1: something? Do yeah. you want oh to know something gosh. so yeah, crazy? Tell me what you
0: did. I think yeah.
1: Go oh for it. my <laughs> goodness. So for the first until I got on CNN, I think it was 2011 when people really started knowing who was behind the brand. Yeah. I never said not once that I was the owner or the founder. Never. But like people it. walk up to me, it's like, "Oh, are you the salesperson?" I'm like, "Yeah," and sure. whatever they want, whatever me to you be. want me to be. <laughs> <laughs> did you do that on purpose, Agatha, or did
0: you just? It just never really I, dawned on you to introduce yourself as the founder. No. Was it out of humility, or were you being intentional?
1: No, I was actually. And which is, which is sad, but mm. it is our reality. And in the beginning, I used to be so emotional about it, but then I stopped mm. because I was just black, mm-hmm. right? I remember when, I remember contacting um baby Sarah's and they're like, oh my goodness, we want you to come to a class and testing and this, is that. And I I called a friend of mine, Isolde. She is British. She came and she was the face. And I was just, you know, I was in the bag oh. making sure, talking about the food. Yes, and I did that, oh, that for years. That breaks
0: my heart. Why did you think you, know, you needed to do that? Be,
1: be, because it's just, it's it's the, it's how, I mean, America is changing today. Sure. But that's how Amen. it just was yeah. because people couldn't for, for so long, even for people that I have mm. personally helped, they couldn't just believe that somebody like me, could come up with an idea like this and be making this kind of money in America. It's just the truth. Like people don't, like it's just, it's the reality. It's changing, not as fast as I want because there are people today who they will meet me somewhere with, you know, I'm doing the yummy thing. The first question that they would ask is, oh, are you the salesperson? I can't tell you how many times that somebody has really met me, wouldn't know me and say, oh, are you the founder? They don't ask that. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. But it, it saved, it saved me really well because I would have people tell me, give me their most honest feedback, thinking I'm a salesperson like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever tried. You should tell them, you know, and I'm like, oh, thank you. (laughs) I'm, uh, you made me cry. (laughs) Um, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's not actually.
0: But, um. (laughs) I so appreciate that um, you were able to turn that into a blessing. and You are going to make me cry. And Uh. that now it's our job to make sure that (laughs) everybody knows that Agatha started this company. And that you need to be an example for... Women in general, for black women, for women coming to this country from another country, um, they need to hear your story. So, whoo sorry, guys. Yeah. Um, this is what you happens know, at it's Liberty. All, you,
1: you know, I think for me, the part that was painful is that knowing that I'm doing, I'm doing something so good, but I still had to hide because I was black. Yeah. That to me was what was painful because I was changing thousands and thousands and thousands of lives, thousands yeah. of lives. we, ah, anyway. oh,
0: you're awesome. Okay.
1: So we're going
0: to pull it together. We're going to come in for the win here. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh gosh. Where am I? Okay. Um, when, when people, well, let's, let's go back to, so you're, I think some things that our audience isn't going to know. So as the founder of Yummy Spoonfuls, you're also an educator, a writer, a speaker. You've talked about being on CNN and writing a piece for the uh, Washington Post and you're a media personality. I think a lot of people will enter into a space as a business person, and then they sort of, they realize they've gained this expertise. Other people want to hear what they have to say. They They are really a teacher and they become a conduit to... Um, to so many people as to how to, how do I do this? How do you recommend um, our listeners parlay this expertise uh, into additional opportunities and even revenue streams? I assume that some of these things you're getting paid for as a writer, speaker, educator. Any advice on that front?
1: I mean, for a business owner, the one thing that any business owner has, just by default of their experience, It's this, it's the, the ability to talk to others and help. If you can, and you should get paid for it.
0: Yeah.
1: However, though, you don't get paid in the beginning. I mean, I have been speaking for years. Last year, I went all the way to, I went to Holland to speak to the graduate, the graduate student at an international university in, in Amsterdam. So, but it doesn't just start like, from day one, when you start speaking, That's you right. have to be realistic. You're gaining experience in that forum as well. So they might not pay you or they might, it, it might be you just coming in free into the, into the event to speak. Yeah. I think the entire 2016, nobody paid me a penny yeah. to speak. But it becomes but
0: training for what you did in 2017, what you're doing for 2018. They, it opens you up they, to a bigger audience. Yeah. You become not not just somebody who has an expertise in the food industry, but somebody who has an expertise as a female, as, an entrep- as a female entrepreneur. <laughs> like, that is right. Yeah. That and, is right. And I don't think we've ever heard anybody say, oh, my first speaking gig, I got paid. We hear very consistently Yes, it's a good idea. Yes, try and create these opportunities for yourself to to be an expert and to get paid for that expertise, but know that it's going to come with a cost of having to do some things for free. And, and also you sort of get your, you need those training wheels. Okay, what am I like in front of a small audience? What am I like in front of a medium-sized audience? What about a big audience? How am I on a panel? I mean, you need those That's different right. experiences before you really understand, I think, your sweet spot. When women, as so many women and men will be after listening to this podcast, but when people are inspired by your story um, and they say to you, Agatha, I want to start a business. I want to start a business that's, you know, X, Y, Z. What's the first piece of advice you give them?
1: My first piece of advice is look for something that you're passionate about. That's my first, my middle, my last, my, because (laughs) I think so many people are coming into business for different reasons Mm or I don't like my day job, or I think I want more independence. I want this, I want this. A lot of the things that we think we want is not what business provides. Business, starting a business is a heck of a job. And that's me just being very nice. It's hard work. The difference is if you really love it, it doesn't look like like anything else. It doesn't look like work. Yeah. Even though you're putting in 18 hours, sometimes Mm -hmm. 20 hours, I did it. There is no one day, even at my worst moments, that I felt like I was walking. Just it's because of how passionate I am about it. So I would say look for something that you feel so strongly about that you really know that you would do this for free. Yeah.
0: This is what I'm supposed then, to be doing. Yeah.
1: Yes. And then put in the time. Yeah. Success takes commitment it doesn't matter what success looks like to you it can never be done in like on the side if you want it to really be successful you're going to commit the time yeah drop away distractions and focus
0: yeah yeah
1: and and be willing it's
0: not just time in a short period of time it's not 10 and 20 hours during for a year It's for a long period of time. It's a, it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a race. Um, so that's right. You clearly, um, running a company and having, um, your sort of expert status that gives you all these other opportunities. You're a busy, busy lady. And you're a mom. Um, What apps, third-party platforms, anything that you, it could be even pen and paper, what are some tricks that you have up your sleeve for sort of getting you through the day and the week and keeping you organized
1: and efficient? Because I'm so old school, I'm 50. I'm 52,
0: (laughs) Agatha. I mean, 50 as well, not 52.
1: (laughs) We have to. We have to. I know. Oh no! Yeah, you're coming. I already have plans for you. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) we we are hanging. So I think for me, and
0: you know, I was actually born in Africa. No, you lie. Where I'm Egyptian. Yeah. No, I'm not
1: lying. Are you? You know what? Yeah. Oh my goodness. We we are going to listen. Yeah. We have to get together. Okay. We have to sit together. This is this just made my day. Okay. Now I'm so happy. I did this interview. Yes, <laughs> and my so. mother
0: who fasts for everything, who is a staunch ca- Catholic as well, will
1: love this interview. <laughs> oh my gosh! I am super excited. Okay, I'm glad. okay. So. so keep going. What 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 do you let use? Me, to let me tell the- you what works. What okay. works for me? Okay, I. In my home, for me, one thing that's very important is to make sure that we eat as crazy as it sounds. So I meal prep for anybody who is following me on social media. They would see Saturdays and Sundays, I grocery shop, we cook, I make food for the week Mm -hmm. and put in the freezer. So when I'm going around, I don't feel funny. Okay, But I plan everything on the calendar. I still do old school because I'm not so savvy, apart from sharing recipes i'm not so so, so savvy <laughs> but everything is scheduled so i would say if you have an app that can do this schedule everything down all the way to date night because it's so important that we you're not running around like a chicken with a head cut off mm-hmm. i schedule everything and now I actually schedule my own time. Like I try to walk out at least five times a week. And except somebody is dying and they need my kidney, if I'm at home, I go to the gym at that time. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now nah, nah, you just made me feel bad. <laughs> yeah, no, you're said, right. You're right, you're right.
1: I want to say we, we learn as we're growing older. Mm -hmm. I am just at a place where I realize that for me to be my best, for me to help the world as I I keep trying to do, I I have to love me first. And loving me means really taking care of me, which physical activity, going to the gym, it's something that's important because I work so hard. I mean, in a week, I'm in LA, I'm back, I'm in San Francisco, I'm back, then I'm in Dallas, I'm back. This is one week. Yeah. So if I don't, this is the one thing that when I go do, I feel myself getting distressed. Like I can breathe and I know that this is something that I do for me. This is my thing I like. For somebody is drinking coffee, for somebody is is going to is going out, doing something. For me, it's going to the gym. That's what makes me tick. So I do it. So it's planning. I don't have an app, I, you, but I schedule everything. So for somebody who is listening, if they know an app, look for an app, but schedule things. Every time you're thinking about something, put it on your calendar. So you have these reminders. It could be a reminder to drink water. Yeah, that's
0: that's actually good. <laughs> a little a little uh, alarm that tells you it's time to drink your water. I love that. Um, that's right. Okay, so you have given us so much good stuff in this interview. And I just want people to find um, a little bit more information or learn a little bit more about you in a fun way. So at the end of our interviews, we always do this sort of, we call it our quick six. So I'm just going to ask you really quickly, six questions and just whatever comes to mind, give me that answer. So do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule?
1: Nine
0: to five. Okay. And do you prefer vacationing in the mountains or the beach? The beach. And do you like to work from home or in office? Office. <laughs> do you like to work alone or with a team? With a team. <laughs> and this is the hardest one. Do you like Thai or Mexican food better?
1: Non-African food. <gasps> Oh, yes. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: then so our podcast is called Liberty Sessions. Our brand is Liberty. Our URL is libertyforher.com. We are all about the um, kind of the concept of what does it take to liberate women in this entrepreneurial space. And so I'd love to hear from you. What does it mean for you to be liberated,
1: Agatha? Ah, oh, my goodness. I honestly. I just. I think this today, this moment, this time where we are, to be a woman in America, even in the world, it's just, it's an amazing place to be with the Me Too movement and all what's going on. Uh, To to be a woman in food, in the manufacturing space, Mm. breaking boundaries, doing jobs today that, you know, in the factory that used to be a guy's thing just makes me feel so liberated. But I don't even have to do anything because of what what I say, woman or a guy thing. Just being able to change lives, starting from nowhere, but just from the heart and moving Mm. forward is the most liberating feeling to me.
0: And there will be lots and lots and lots of people who, after listening to you in this podcast, will be liberated. So, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being honest and vulnerable. Thank you for making my day. <laughs> and I know the day of so many people who will be listening. You are an absolute gem and can't wait to have you here in LA and to meet you in person.
1: Thank you so much and I um, we are going to make that happen. That's absolutely I right. i in way absolutely too many right. times. Okay. Yes.
0: Liberty for her is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast and more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty for Her on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty for Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower. likely the case that if you're listening to this podcast, you've either launched or want to launch a venture. And whether you're in growth mode or just getting started, it can be a lonely endeavor. Trust us. We know. Which is exactly why we connected with Entreprenista. We wanted our community of podcast listeners to have access to the tools, the resources, and other female founders to connect with. So there's no reason to do this thing alone. In fact, we dare you not to. A few of the perks from to include building your reputation. You'll get featured on their website, growing your business through office hours with their founders, Stephanie and Courtney, introductions to other investors, uh, exclusive discounts, connecting with the right people in the community, people who can really advance the work that you're doing and people that you can help along the way. Get invited to all sorts of conferences, events, And you can write this whole thing off as a business expense. That's the best part. Well, that's one of the best parts. To make the dare a little easier, head to www.entrepreneista.com backslash Liberty and use the code Liberty25 for $25 off their membership fee. And for the record, I just became a paying member myself. So I'll see you over there.